4: like they say it's supposed to favor the underdog
1: how about cj baxter on this one there's no way actually there is he is that guy 30 20. someone's coming for him nobody's gonna get him
4: Touchdown,
2: he had his chance to walk away a winner but mr brady wanted to win twice and guess what happens you lose your life
0: and watch this he slows down here just to make him miss as well gives him the stiffy
4: of all stiffies and kill seven seconds but the flag's on the field the ball's loose and it's going back the other way it was picked up and it's taken in by dj hardy game over north side calls
1: it live from orlando florida you're listening to the Sports Scene with Jesse O. Oh, baby,
4: cry your heart out and call me Samantha. Yep, it's me, Jesse O. Welcome, everyone, to The Sports Scene on iHeartRadio and iHeartRadio Podcasts presented by First Bet. We've got another great show for you. Our special guest is a new one to the show. He's our iHeartRadio rugby analyst. Yeah, we're bringing in some new sports, baby. CJ Backle joins the show in about half past the hour. But first, please welcome back to the show our dynamic duo of Ricky Bobby and getting kicked out of an Applebee's. Of course, you know who I'm talking about, my favorite color analyst, Mr. Alvin Delvey. And you know who's ready to bring the heat. You guessed it, the resident couch correspondent, Max Ronquillo is back and he's here to push the Trevor Lawrence for president agenda. So good to have you both with me. And before we get into our top five sports stories for the week, you know I have one question for you both and this one actually I'm going to hope one of you can get so we're going to start with Alvin for this one Alvin the question is in a notorious incident which american boxer bit off a piece of his opponent's ear during a match resulting in disqualification and public outrage
0: <laughs> uh Tyson
4: Oh you got it Boom. right baby Alvin's first one right on the show sorry Max you're not even going to get a chance to talk at the beginning here. the American- I remember I-
2: my first one. Yeah, <laughs> I remember yeah. my first one. So, hey, everyone clap. He deserves it. Finally. Woo! Woo! Dude, we what, go. a year and a half. He finally wins, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Let's bro, I got a, a regular it.
0: question. There Jeez, we go. Finally.
2: Bro. It was I would say last tough. week, we were, were trading, trading place, cheese. It was no, bad.
4: last week, trading cheese. I One of you should have gotten that in like ancient times. Cheese rich.
0: That's fair. Mate, I was close. You're close. That's pretty close. Okay. Well, anyway, that's what I've been saying this entire time. Okay.
4: We're going to start with number five. Let's talk about the WMA playoffs, two games played so far. The Las Vegas Aces wasted no time backing up their game one win on Wednesday night. It looked like they were trying to end the series before it even made it back to Brooklyn. The Aces, after a dominant final quarter in which they put up 38 points, Cruz to beat the New York Liberty 104-76 to in Game 2, wow, of the 2023 WNBA Finals. That put the Aces up 2-0 to zero in the series as it heads back to New York for Game 3 on Sunday. The Liberty, who fell by 17 on Sunday, got off to about the worst start possible on Wednesday night. The Aces rolled to a 38-19 lead after the first quarter, which marked the most points they had scored in a single quarter all season and the second most points scored in a quarter in finals history. So already making incredible history here. The Aces opened the game on a 14-2 run two and shot an incredible 71% from the field in the first three minutes of the contest. Asia Wilson led the Aces with 26 points and 15 rebounds. Defensive player of the year this year. While shooting 10 of 16 from the field, she now has 11 career playoff games with at least... 20 points and 10 rebounds, which is only behind Tamika Catchings and Candace Parker in WNBA history. Wilson is also just the third player to have ever scored 25 points and 15 rebounds in the finals. Jackie Young added 24 points and 8 rebounds. Kelsey Plum finished with 23 points and 8 assists. Las Vegas shot nearly 54% from the field. I want to bring up one thing though about the Liberty because John Quell Jones was the lone bright spot for them. She finished with 22 points and 10 rebounds in the loss. She's had a valiant effort all postseason long, and she's the heartbeat, she's the fire of that team. Playing as a big is a tough thing because it's a very physical position, so look for her to go nuclear in one of these next two games, but the Aces go up 2-0 next game on Sunday, and we'll keep you up to date with all of the WA Finals action here on the sports scene. And now we're gonna go into our number four sports story. Let's get into some track and field for you, Alvin. Kenyan runner Kelvin Kiptum broke the marathon world record to win the Chicago Marathon in two hours and 35 seconds, nearly breaking the two-hour barrier. Dutch woman Sifan Hassan ran the second fastest woman's time in history, two hours, 13 minutes, and 44 seconds to win the women's race. Kiptum. Listed at 23 years old, he's younger than us gentlemen, broke countryman Elud Kipchoji's world record of two hours, one minute and nine seconds set at the 2022 Berlin Marathon. Kiptum has run three career marathons all in the last 10 months and posted three of the six fastest times in history. Two hours and one minute and 53 seconds in Valencia, Spain last December, followed by two hours, one minute and 25 seconds in London in April. He has supplanted the 38-year-old Kipchoji's record as the world's best marathoner. But Kipchoji, who held that distinction for most of the last decade, bids next year to become the first person to win three Olympic marathons. Alvin, this is insane.
0: Yeah, it's even more insane when you take that obviously crazy time, but you think two hours, that's a, you know, that's relatively a while to be running. So you don't understand how fast that is. His average pace per mile, Kelvin Kipton, for 26 miles was four minutes and 36 seconds just put that into perspective in 2000s when we had our first sub four minute mile so this man is running as fast as people were running in the olympics in the 80s and the 70s and and before he was running that for 26 miles so that is absolutely incredible uh just love the effort obviously i've never run anything more than a 5k and it did it's definitely my fastest mile is not 436. So love what Kelvin Kipton was able to do. And I just love the publicity it's getting as well. So world records are being shattered. And I think the world's watching. And I love that.
4: Max, you're a runner. You got them Thunder Cavs. What's your fastest mile time? I'm curious.
0: Like 850.
2: But that was like a year and a half ago, something like that.
4: Now I'm probably running nines.
2: But I don't know. yeah, I would say running nines.
4: Well, it'll be cool to just watch you run a beer mile. when I got a lot of meat in my body, everyone. Sorry,
2: I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I run 10 miles, okay? Not anymore. I kind of lost it this the past month. But I got a lot of meat. So I'm going to run some slow miles. T- take a, a break. Solid glues. Okay.
4: Yeah, but also, you know, Alvin, we're going to get to see Max run a beer mile um, when the Jacksonville Jaguars inevitably do not yeah. make the AFC championship. So... You know, we'll get to record him there and get his beer mile time, which might be faster than that eight minute mark that Max set for himself with a regular mile, we can only hope. And speaking of Max, let's get into our number three sports story. Let's go into some baseball. The Houston Astros, Max, silenced the home crowd early Tuesday in Minneapolis. A four run first inning and a total of four home runs made it fairly smooth sailing for the visitors and a rough day for twin starter Sonny Gray in a nine to one victory. And later, the Texas Rangers gave their home crowd plenty to cheer about, starting and finishing strong with a 7-1 win over the Baltimore Orioles that completed the ALDS sweep and sends Texas to the ALCS. It's the Rangers' first ALCS appearance since 2011 and the Orioles' first time being swept since May of 2022.
2: Max, the ALDS, a little crazy this year. Listen, it was predicted perfectly by me. All the teams oh, here we go. that are in the CS in, on both sides have veteran presence in the playoffs. There's a culture of winning. Astros love the playoffs. Texas, Orioles, what did I say? The Orioles were going to were, were get ran over. Texas came in. Then there's the Phillies and Braves. They're also veteran presence in the playoffs. And, of course, the only team to lose twice in the C- and NECS is the Dodgers playing to a brand new team. <laughs> there is experienced winners, <laughs> experience winners across the board. And then the Diamondbacks just come out of nowhere. And they're Kershaw can't pitch. He can't pitch in the playoffs. we have been saying this forever. And so it, it was called pretty perfectly. And then next thing, Philly. They have the town of Philly, these crazy nuts behind them, <laughs> coming to the games. Of course, they're going to, they're too psycho. The Braves can't handle that amount of crazy energy. It, it, it's been fun to watch, right? Like that storylines are kind of what sells baseball, and baseball's kind of selling that right now, where the Dodgers are just, you know, hey, you're, you're, you're just the, the black sheep in this. Like, you're just going to lose every year. It breaks my heart. I can't even watch. Can't even watch once again. But
4: Max, the Philadelphia Phillies bashed the Atlanta Braves with six home runs, two each from Nick Castellanos. And Bryce Harper on Wednesday. Funny thing for me watching these games is that Nick Castellanos, and I tweeted this earlier, he has the most untimely timing of all time. They're talking yeah. about a guy who unfortunately passed away from the Phillies organization back way back when. And literally the next pitch, as they're doing his eulogy on air,
2: Castellanos goes deep. He's got a knack for these sort of things. Yeah. I- Bad timing for on-air stuff, great timing for hitting. Let's go into our number two sports story.
4: College football for you, Alvin. The first thing defensive coordinators tell cornerbacks and safeties, correct me if I'm wrong, is never let a receiver get behind you, right? Especially when the game is on the line. If your team, Alvin, you Miami, got that lesson before its home game against Georgia Tech, the players certainly did not listen. With 10 seconds left in the game and trailing 20 to 17, the Yellow Jackets quarterback, Haynes King, took the snap rolled to his right, and found receiver Christian Leary, by the way, of Edgewater High School, who juked out two defenders while running his route and strolled untouched into the end zone for the 44-yard score that gave the Ramblin' Wreck a stunning victory. Mind you, Georgia Tech started the drive on its own 26 with 26 seconds remaining and no timeouts, all because the Hurricanes decided to get cute and not run out the clock. Miami running back John Cheney fumbled Miami's fourth turnover of the game when the Hurricanes ran instead of taking a knee, which gave Georgia Tech the chance at the game-winning score. Coach Mario Cristobal said after the game, we should have taken a knee. Well, duh. And then he said, we didn't play to our standard, which means we didn't coach to our standard. Yeah, you think, nuts? You definitely deserve to get roasted, bro.
0: Yeah, I think you, Miami, was a little bit more egregious just because... You know, as a coaching staff, your goal is to put everyone in the right position and and really make sure that you're excelling and and extracting the most out of each and every individual on your coaching staff and your players. It's what the the job requires of you. So, to have a situation where you're up, the defense is not scheming on on what to do for the next series. Usually, in a game when there's still a lot of football to be played, you're thinking, okay, this is what we saw last series. This is what we got to work on. You're just doing little little tune-ups as the game goes on to adjust on the fly with what you've seen, especially if it's a game that's back and forth. And conference play. So now you're in a situation where you could go just take a knee and you don't. You run it. Dude's not – nobody's prepared. Defense goes out there. They all probably had their pads unbuckled. They're, they're getting ready to, to walk in and shake hands to go celebrate. Like, that's what you, you worked hard already for. So, it's, it's craziness. Like, a fireball offense for sure. But I think uh, f- college football looks great. Pac-12 looks good. Um, obviously, Miami threw me that that was crazy. But I did like the Colorado bus were able to figure out their wrongs, work out some kinks. It was an ugly win, but it was a win nonetheless. Um, still – The the interior is still a problem for Colorado. So that's gonna have to be figured out. And then most importantly, USC looks okay. You know, I I think USC as a team looks good, but Caleb Williams, he's that boy. Like that that man is definitely bona fide. He is worth all the hype. So definitely like what I saw for him in that triple overtime thriller.
4: Alvin, did you watch any of the Oklahoma and Texas Red Rivalry Red River Rivalry game?
0: I did. I did. And that was that was kind of crazy man that was easily uh if you don't have that usc game i think that's the best game of the day i think those those are top two for sure
4: and now for our number one sports story max how do you get a squirrel to like you you pet it (laughs) (laughs) do you want rabies are you crazy well it's right along those lines how do you get a squirrel to like you you gotta act like a nut that should be no problem for you, Max. We clearly know you're absolutely nuts. I we wish we could get into that, that more, but stay tuned because you know our real number one sports story is coming up when we return. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered
0: here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo when we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18
4: plus. Welcome back to the sports scene for our second segment. Let's go into some NFL football, guys. Well, the Minnesota Vikings' tumultuous 2023 NFL season has gone from bad to worse after it was revealed that all-pro wideout Justin Jefferson will be heading to the injured reserve Due to a hamstring strain, the Vikings were already facing an uphill battle to reach the playoffs this year following their 1-4 and start and are likely staring down a lost season with their top offensive talent now unavailable until week 10 at the earliest. On the bright side, Minnesota's front office now has a much easier decision to make regarding when to start engaging in a rebuilding process. With the October 31st trade deadline looming, vikings brass would have been forced to decide on becoming buyers with the goal of salvaging a sinking campaign or selling off assets while looking ahead to the future. Selling is now the obvious case, as it could net Minnesota some much-needed draft capital to reinforce their roster with 2024 and beyond. Given Kirk Cousins is playing out the final year of his contract and set to hit the open market this coming spring, Minnesota should trade the veteran quarterback to maximize returns. While the team won't lose out entirely if it elects not to deal the 35-year-old, Cousins will be a coveted free agent who should net a decent compensatory selection. Assuming the Vikings let him walk following five-plus relatively fruitless years, it could return premium draft picks by shipping him off to a potential contender desperate for a competent passer. So, gentlemen, Alvin, we're going to start with you. Where do we think that Kirk Cousins should go? By the way, he's a no-trade class, so he I has to approve where
0: he goes. He'd probably have to just honestly go to the bottom of the AFC. Uh, you got the to start outside of the Texans, the Bengals, the Browns, maybe the Titans. But Raiders should be interested. Jets should be interested. Patriots should be interested. Most important, I think Broncos. They got to figure out that whole situation. They should be interested eventually. Because um, I think Kirk Cousins is – everyone talks about, about he's a middle – of the pack guy can't get it done in, in, in the postseason but my biggest thing with that like I don't believe in quarterback wins because there's so much that goes into winning a football game so much has to go right even as a quarterback obviously it's the most important position on the offense on the team really but so much has to go right for you to, be able to get the job done you saw it with Lamar Jackson you're throwing darts and people's patty cake into the ground you got seven drops half of an end zone that's not your fault so I think Kirk Cousins would thrive in an organization like the Raiders. Think about the weapons that's available. Kirk Cousins can sling it, obviously. He still has a lot of juice left. So I think the Raiders would be top for, in my pick, but I think anyone in that bottom half of the AFC would would really utilize the service as well.
4: Max, he's talked about the Raiders, your team. Well, not so much your team anymore. You're now a Jacksonville boy. But could the Raiders possibly be in play for Kirk Cousins, or is there another team you're thinking of?
2: No. All right, let me explain. Please. <laughs> so- for the masses. Oh, you got 50% of that. You got 50% of that correct.
0: All right, I'll take it. Ooh, there we go. Yeah,
2: the, the Broncos don't need to care. They got Russell Wilson. They're going to have to just deal with that. Patriots. That's tough. They don't need to care. They want a better draft pick. So they don't need to care. They need to just stop caring this year and just accept. Dave Fortnite got it right. They just got to accept, lose more, get a better pick, maybe get a better coach. I don't know. But Mac Jones just isn't it. You don't need to fix the team. Never was too much. Too 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 many too many band aids on that one. Two teams, Jets Raiders. That's it. That's the only two teams I need to be focusing on Kirk Cousins because Raiders look kind of nice. They they've got <laughs> really nice pieces. They got some good defense. They just don't got a quarterback. And so let's put them in there. And the Jets need to figure out what their plan is. I don't think they got a plan. I think they're just hey Bruce Hall, get it. And that's what I want for my t- fancy team. So, hey, go get a boy. I'm excited. <laughs> so, that's the only two teams I need to worry about it. Um, they can maybe, the Vikings can maybe just wait out Justin Jefferson. Who knows? Because if they trade Kirk, Justin Jefferson is not going to come back for another six to eight weeks, if not more. Because he, he wants to go to a winning team. This ain't the team, unfortunately.
4: Well, while the Jets did end... A three game losing skid this past weekend and moved to two and three on the year. Unfortunately, Zach Wilson has failed to show much growth since reassuming the starting quarterback role after Aaron Rodgers went down with that, what is it, ACL tear, Achilles tear? Mm -hmm. It was an Achilles. Achilles. So it's readily apparent that Wilson will not be able to maximize the talents of those around him while avoiding the type of mistakes that will cost New York wins. And you know, one thing about the New York market. They expect their teams to be winners. So rather than flounder through another middling season in which the Jets win enough games on the back of their defense and running game to finish like near 500, but still outside the playoffs, they should go and get another high-end quarterback if the chance presents itself. Although Cousins would potentially be costly, especially for a team that already gave up draft capital to get a signal caller this season. He is the best, if not the only chance New York has to seriously... Contend in 2023. One team I was thinking about, gentlemen, that I didn't hear mentioned, and this one might be a little strange, but Kirk Cousins began his career with the Washington Commanders. And he could see it come full circle by finishing it with the franchise. Washington selected Cousins in the fourth round of 2012 as a backup to number two overall pick Robert Griffin, the third. But injuries to the starter eventually led Cousins to take over as the quarterback one role on a full time basis in 2015. While he found success that year by bringing Washington to the playoffs and earned his first Pro Bowl nod the following year, the Commanders let Cousins walk after the Vikings offered the quarterback a blockbuster contract as a free agent in 2018. And a return to Washington could finally see the Cousins and the Commanders make a meaningful playoff run together. The franchise has been to the postseason only once since Cousins departed and has a single playoff victory since the turn of the millennium. The team has been plagued oh, no. by quarterback woes since Cousins left, starting a whopping 12 different players under center in that half decade span, but does have a decent defense and an intriguing crop of skill position players. And it would be so interesting to see him in an Eric Bieniemy offense, Alvin.
0: That would actually be, as soon as you said that, I was immediately thinking Eric Bieniemy would really utilize his talents because... Kirk really does have juice, and obviously I'm not just saying that because you know quarterback was was phenomenal. Really brought out the human humanistic side of him, but I really like just his ability to just move safeties off, his confidence in the pocket, his maturity. I think all of that matters, especially when you're in an organization that's not broken, but it's not it's not a Ferrari, and it definitely hasn't gotten a oil change in a while. So it's definitely on the verge of it. So I think him coming in there with that proper mindset and that proper mentality is really good he's a calm voice and a hectic locker room just you know, with losses I think that would be incredible to see him just throw all the way across the field he has talent he has guys and then he has a decent enough line to protect him because he gets mopped out there so I, I think anywhere Honestly, there's a lot of places I would love to see Kirk. And I kind of now, now as you're talking about this, I do kind of want to see him in some new threads. I would like that too.
4: All right. Well, gentlemen, week five was
0: another collection of fun, entertaining, and unpredictable
4: games. The Chicago Bears got their first win in a blowout. The San Francisco 49ers humbled the Cowboys, and the Cincinnati Bengals finally looked like playoff contenders. The Carolina Panthers remain winless, but the New England Patriots are playing like the league's worst team. And week six is likely to bring more uncertainty, but a few of the early lines do appear favorable. So I want to get into some of our early locks and best bets on the schedule here for week six. I'm going to start with the chiefs were at minus 10 and a half versus the Broncos. While we saw there were a few lopsided games in week five, the chiefs weren't involved in any of them. Kansas city outlasted the Minnesota Vikings in a 27 to 20 contest, which has become par for the course for the chiefs and the chiefs have won just one game by more than eight points this season against Chicago in Week 3. However, the Chiefs are poised for their second blowout win of the season as the rival Denver Broncos will come to town on Thursday night. Denver's much-maligned defense, which ranks last in both yards and points allowed, will give Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense an opportunity to absolutely explode here, Max. Yeah, since the NFL is going to allow them.
2: But... Um, one game I want to also look at at this point. It's this is going to be a big deciding game for I think both of these teams here, and it's going to be Colts versus Jags.
4: I knew that was coming.
2: Of course. Right now, if we look at it, just the Jags' entire completeness of of their team, right? They got every single anything on defense they got unlocked. Scary coming out of nowhere. Offense, dude. ETN just running it. So Trevor Lawrence, I'm telling you, he's been picking it up. Calvin Ridley, they've been picking it up together. That's going to be a big game, I think. Isn't Jonathan Taylor also coming back for the Colts? Yes, he is.
4: Yeah, sign so he's signed that new deal.
2: To be, he's going to be coming back. So this can, can potentially put, p- propel them to, uh, you know, that next stage because Colts kind of look also. They're winning. They're looking all right. And they were looking good, but but yeah. Yeah, but Anthony Richardson actually went
4: down with a shoulder injury, and the Colts are expected to be without Richardson for some time, so they're going to be starting. Gardner Minshew, the second Pac-12 quarterback, went to Washington State, was fantastic there. He's a capable quarterback. He doesn't offer Indy the same kind of dual threat as Richardson, but against the Jags team playing very well against the run, they're averaging 3.7 yards per carry. That could make Indy's offense a bit more one-dimensional And now that Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars offense has found a spark like Max has so adamantly said they would, it's kind of hard to envision Minshew and the Colts keeping pace on the scoreboard. But expect Jacksonville to win by a touchdown in this pivotal AFC South showdown. I'm taking the Jaguars minus four over the Colts. Alvin, my final pick here for the week is the Dolphins minus 13.5 versus the Panthers. That's a huge line. But the Miami Dolphins offense has been good enough that it should be. Miami was a double-digit favorite against the New York Giants in Week 5 and went on to win by 15. The Dolphins are poised to win by two scores again with the Carolina Panthers coming to visit Miami. Carolina continues to get underwhelmed play by rookie quarterback Bryce Young, and the Panthers defense isn't good.
0: Well, I'm happy that they're not good because we do have a few guys that are going to be out. Obviously, A-chan's been going crazy. He's had a few of the top fastest times in the league and he literally can take a dead play, turn it into a 30 yard touchdown and he'll do all that in 3.5 seconds. Like he, he's going crazy, but he's going to be out for a little bit, Uh, has a little bit of a knee issue. Everyone knows about that. Definitely wishing for a speedy recovery. Uh, We got Jalen Phillips. Obviously, he was out for a while and I think that hurts our defense. But Bryce Young being so young, I, I'm a I hate to say it, but this might be the game he figures it out just because our defense isn't terrible, but I feel like there's a little bit of a, a, a hole that they can manipulate. So I think Bryce Young figures it out a little bit in this game, but then I still think we got Jalen Waddle, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill could go crazy, but Braxton Berrios, his knee is has been giving him issues as well. So a couple of guys banged up that are explosive for us. So it's interesting to see how we're going to pivot as an offense. I'm saying we like I'm playing, but I was just how the Dolphins are going to pivot and just try to utilize different weapons. Obviously, you got your big hitters, Tyreek, Jalen, but then without uh, HM, who's been going crazy. I wonder what they do with Mozart, if they are running more powers outside zone or inside zone, or they still try to work the outside with those outside zones, a little bit more screen stuff. It's interesting to see what they're going to do offensively.
4: Alvin's still wishing he was out there, y'all. <laughs> So you're not taking them all <laughs> from yeah, 13. Hey, yeah, any more of the first
0: geez. Did you, that that all went off your what, head? What, what was I your favorite, favorite play? 32 red TV. wing T.
4: What was your favorite play?
0: That's a terrible play. That means you gotta hit with the big boys if it's a wing T. Um, oh jeez. I like, sp- I like a, I'm not calling
4: games. Offense. Well actually I am calling games, but not that <laughs> kind of calling. They should never put me as a coach for football. Anyways, Max,
2: do you like rugby? I've ever played. Character play except for the Mario and Sonic version on the
3: Nintendo. Oh, that was fun. Dude, That's that one, yeah, that one's fun. That
4: one's epic. Well, Max is going to learn a little bit more about rugby, not the Mario and Sonic version, next when we talk to CJ Backle.
1: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Group void voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
4: Welcome back to the sports scene, everyone, for our third segment. We are joined by Tiger Talk Productions, podcaster, and our own rugby analyst here at iHeartRadio. CJ Backle joins the show. CJ, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join me. It's good to see you. Also, Congratulations on making it to grad school. You got out of Clemson. Now you're at grad school at Vanderbilt. I mean, there's a rivalry going on there, but we're not going to talk about that right now. But thank you for taking time out of your day to come and chat with us here at the sports scene.
3: Yeah, no, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, like you said, I this came out of a great connections between like each other and some friends and we're both podcasters. So it was great to like talk about rugby and I really appreciate being on here.
4: And shameless plug for us, we met because one of, I guess, our mutual fraternity brothers met up with you in Nashville and made the connection for us. So I'm just happy to have you on. That's crazy, right? Small world. Yeah,
3: small world, man. And it was freaking Max of all people. (laughs) Max and Parker. Shout out to those guys for keeping us uh, in touch. So what, what
4: were your first opinions of Max? I actually am so curious now that we're on the show.
3: Oh, wow. You're putting me on the spot
4: with this one. Yeah, I mean you can roast them, it's okay. Even if you only met him for a day, yeah. you are allowed to roast them. That yeah. is enough you know time. What I honest. absolutely hated it. I hated him. Yeah, lay in into him. Let's going, go. Right.
3: <laughs> no, like Max, I mean, like, I was talking to Max and he just seemed like super passionate about like sports and like productions and everything and having to do with like podcasting and just talking about sports. So that's how we got into that initial conversation. It really wasn't about the fraternity. It was about okay, our mutual love, about talking about sports. And then it turned out, it was like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're both fraternity brothers. It's like, oh, oh, wow, that's uh, that's impressive. Like, so it it was really nice to talk to him about that and just like have a shared interest in like this passion that we like to do.
4: So your website, Tigerstalkprod.com,
3: you guys talk about rugby, right? Yep. So Tigerstalkprod.com is our website and then our podcast specifically is Tigers Talk Rugby and we'll be on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcast. and it's myself and two of my other former teammates. Shout out to Ethan Richards and Beckett Rice hey. and we talk about rugby. It initially started off as just the handful of us just literally just shooting off and saying whatever we wanted about rugby and it slowly evolved into like player interviews, talking about uh, MLR which is like the United States professional rugby league as well as like the World Cup and whatever's going on internationally and these are former
4: teammates of yours so you played at Clemson correct yep and you're still playing
3: but more recreationally now yeah so taking care of your body
4: now, more as you're going for that doctorate degree
3: <laughs> yeah now I'm now I'm playing in Nashville as part of the men's uh, rugby club team which is is definitely a different speed compared to like college. I feel like in college, everybody's, you know, 18 to 23-ish years old. And uh, it's not as like physical, but then once you move into like the men's leagues, then it just starts to a different game. Everybody's like really physical and you start playing with guys who have played pro or have played internationally. And it's definitely a different game and I'm enjoying it and trying to get used to it a little bit more.
4: Awesome. Well, let's talk about the World Cup because the nature of the Rugby World Cup draw has meant that Ireland and New Zealand quarterfinal has long been a strong possibility. And on Saturday, the much-anticipated heavyweight encounter will take place. The Stade de France in Paris will be the venue for the mouthwatering last eight tie between an Irish side currently ranked number one in the world against a country that has spent more time at the top of the world
3: rankings than anyone else. What can you tell me about this one? So to start off, like coming into this game, having New Zealand being the underdog is kind of crazy because this is something that you would definitely not expect going into a Rugby World Cup because, like you said, they've just been dominant in all of their history. And recently, Ireland has looked so good. They've looked dynamic and yeah. – They're talented. They're deep at er almost every position. And they could beat you in just about any way. So, like, they'll play a dynamic, like, uh, high-intensity offense. Or they could switch it up on you and play this, like, stout defense, kind of this punch-you-in-the-mouth style of play. And they'll just switch it up on you because they're just so tactically smart. While New Zealand... They've been struggling a little bit in the past, and against Ireland, the last time that these teams met, Ireland beat them in a three-game series in New Zealand, which is absolutely unheard of in terms of history. So coming into this match, it's really tough uh, to say who is going to win, but on the history side of things, New Zealand is typically really good at these knockout stages, and Ireland have yet to go past the quarterfinal in a World Cup. So, yeah. historically, it's a New Zealand uh, win, but as of right now, I would say like Ireland's probably the favorite for this one. They just look so good. They've dominated in the pool stages. They've got some really great players, some absolute legends are on their team. It's tough to not pick them. Yeah, let's talk
4: about New Zealand for a sec, because it always looked likely that New Zealand would finish second. <laughs> in Pool A after their 27-13 defeat by the hosts and eventual pool winners, France, on opening night of the tournament five weeks ago. But since then, head coach Ian Foster's side has hammered Namibia, Italy, and Uruguay, runner-up 240 points and conceding just 20 on their way to what was a near-certain runners-up spot after the loss to the French. But, you know, they look like they could be in a strong contention for the final, wouldn't you say?
3: Oh, I mean, they're always going to be in a strong uh, strong contention for a final uh, just because of the talent they have, the amount of players uh, that they are able to bring into their squad. And they're really well-disciplined as a team, as well as they like to play this style of like, okay, we're going to do everything, all the basics really well. Um, Ian Foster... For me, controversially is not their best head coach, uh, especially in recent past. And when Scott Hansen, their previous coach, stepped down and Ian Foster came in, I thought that was a poor decision uh, to bring him in and
4: interesting.
3: I, I, that's that's like a whole can of worms that I could open up, but uh, they haven't <laughs> been able to perform since he's come in as the head coach and the players are always talented they're always really well coached and they're well disciplined but the game plans they tend to change very frequently and they they'll stick to one plan for like say the, the first half and then they won't make a whole lot of adjustments for like the second half so we'll see how they play for this one especially having to like be more dynamic and changing their game plan on the fly against an Ireland who can easily switch it up and play a totally different game plan within minutes of the, of the match. Cause that's the thing yeah. about, yeah. I was going to say like the thing about rugby that's so unique compared to like other American sports is that, You, the coaches, and I know that this is also like Ted Lasso. He mentions this, like with soccer. Big Ted Lasso guy. You just just teach, as a coach, you basically prepare the players for the match and then you just set them off on their own. And then you can't really like call plays. So it's up to the players to make the decisions and make their own plays and set pieces.
4: Yeah, and I would say that Ireland's pool experience had – significantly more jeopardy to it because Farrell's men still having to see off the world's fifth best team in Scotland in their final match to ensure they topped the group was hard a week after edging past South Africa. And that was a titanic tussle on match day three. Both of those hugely impressive victories came at the Stade de France, the venue for Saturday night's last eight meeting and the swaths of Irish fans that have lit up this World Cup with their noise and color Will no mm-hmm. doubt be looking forward to a return trip. So it's almost like it could be a home game for Ireland.
3: Yeah, definitely the players, the uh, fans will be in uh, the All Blacks' head. They'll be singing uh, the cranberries all game long, and that's what they've been doing all after every win. But they've they've been playing really well. I agree against Scotland and South Africa. That win against South Africa is huge. They gave them a lot of confidence and a lot of swagger really going into these knockout stages. I want to hear what your thoughts are on the Wales
4: versus Argentina game and England is going to face Fiji also in the World Cup quarterfinal as well.
3: Um okay, Wales Argentina. I came into this thinking like Argentina was going to be great that they were going to be like unstoppable and yeah. that they were going to demolish everybody in the pool stages and then fly through to a potential final like easily. Um, that's not the case anymore. Wales have looked really good in their pool play. Uh, their kind of game plan, especially against like this Argentina side, will be this like stout defense, play a patient game and wait for Argentina to make mistakes and then capitalize on those mistakes. And that's something that they've been really good at is capitalizing on other teams mistakes and then just playing really good defense So Argentina haven't looked the best, especially when they played against like England. Uh, England were able to exploit them with some really high ball kicks. So it'll be interesting if Wales can do that. Uh, But personally, and with some bias, uh, like I guess some bias, no bias or whatever you may say, I think Argentina will win. Oh yeah. Uh, And that's just because I think... I had them predicted to go to a semifinal in my own, or predicted to go to a final in my own show, uh, in my own podcast, so I hope they win. Okay, well then, I want to get into the last one, because we got two
4: Titans meeting as well, South Africa and France. The Springboks came through Pool B relatively easily, only losing once to Pool Toppers Ireland and looked in good, Nick. And France powered to the top of Pool A with a perfect 4-4 four and four record, beating three-time champions New Zealand in the opener. Like I mentioned earlier,
3: what do you think comes out of this game? Again, this is also another really great game. Big toss-up. The Coming into this game, France is questionable for one of their best players, Antoine Dupont. He... Literally 24, like 24 days before this game happened, he broke his face. He literally <laughs> broke his face, got surgery, and Whoa. has been cleared to play against Whoa. South Africa.
4: Yes, I love that.
3: So he's going to be, he's a phenomenal player. Like if, if there's any team that you want to watch and any player that you want to watch, like if anything you can take from what I'm saying today, watch France, watch Antoine DuPont. He's absolutely phenomenal, a like great player. Um, So he'll be a great, he'll be a, if he plays, he'll be a big key point for that French team. And then looking to South Africa, this pool play, they've been awful when it comes to kicking for points. So like in football, you're able to kick a field goal to get three points. And in rugby, you could do the same thing. And they've been pretty bad. So if they can somehow improve upon that and just score as many points uh, through kicking and kicking effectively, I think that they could potentially beat France. But I think it's their their home team has to win in this case, man. I think France will win this one. Okay, CJ,
4: who is your pick to win the Rugby World Cup of 2023? Because I actually want to get you on right after the final so we can talk about this again. So you're making your pick now and we're playing it later. I think one and eight chance, but
3: <laughs> I think it's gonna be France. Honestly, I th- really they home country I, wins I, it all. I, I would love it if they won it all because they're a really good team. They if they beat South Africa, then they have to go on and play England Fiji. And I think that'll be those teams aren't as tough as like say I would say like a South Africa. So I think they could go to a final and then playing mm-hmm. at home. Like, there's just something special about playing at home in a final in Paris. They're, those guys are going to be – I feel like they're going to be unstoppable in that case. CJ, you're the man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Can
4: we get a chance to talk to you, like I said, after the final game? Yeah, that, I would I would love to. Uh, yeah, for sure. CJ Backel, ladies and gentlemen. One more segment coming up on the sports scene. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the sports scene, everyone, for our final segment. We're going to go into Take It or Leave It, one of our first games that we played on this show ever. It was in our first show ever. It was in our first podcast ever. And now we're going to do it for the first time ever in October. So it really hasn't been that long. Anyways, Max, we're going to start with you. Take it or leave it. The National League will win the World Series this year. I'm going to leave that. Really?
2: Yeah, I actually have faith in the other two. You
4: don't believe in the Phillies. No, you believe that the Phillies are going to make it to the World Series and they're going to yeah, lose because you want to see that city that, burn again. That, that's not going to happen. It'll be the Do
2: fourth it? or fifth I thought time I thought for a second, in a, I in a year for, and a half. I, I thought, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With all those teams. Yeah,
4: yeah. no. It'll be the fifth time that Philly burns in a year and a
2: half. There's been a lot of crap going down, and I'm not going to get into it, but that would just add some fuel to the fire if it happens in Philly. Like, in the totality of things, it would be great. So, and then that's why I also think the Astros and Rangers, I, I think they just have the star power. I think they have the history. I think I, I think those that's ironing, sharpening iron in that one. I don't think the Braves might have been ready for it. I think Rangers and and Astros have this, like the best person is going to come out and I think they're going to win the whole thing. Do you think that if... I it, sorry, it, we don't have time for this. We don't have well, time no, for I'm this. Well, no, I'm just I, curious
4: because if Philly makes it to the World Series, do you think we see another guy eat poop?
2: Yeah, let's find it on Twitter. Take it, by me. it. Somebody yeah. eats poop during the World Series. I'm gonna leave it for me to say it on Twitter. <laughs> the answer. Okay, that's fine.
4: I also I actually so, that's so come
2: check out my Twitter if you want to see what I what I say.
4: At Max as well underscore that is his Twitter handle, everyone. Max, I actually agree with you there. I'm gonna leave it as well. The Rangers and the Astros with their two head coaches is just a sick joke to Giants fans now who don't even meet the qualification of mediocrity. Bruce Bochi and Dusty Baker deserve everything good that's coming to them. And uh, as a Giants organization, we deserve everything that horrible that is about to come to us. We already fired yeah, our head coach, yeah, Gabe yeah, Kapler, if we don't yeah. get Shohei Otani next year for the Giants. Well, I think uh, the Giants fans might burn down Oracle Park. So stay tuned for that one. Alvin, take it or leave it. The Pac-12 will win the college football playoff this year.
0: I gotta leave that one. I love what's going on with the Pac-12, Ooh. and I definitely love it. It's last year. Um, you know, the guys are looking good. They're making plays, but uh, even though Georgia looks different, Georgia is still the top dog. I think we always do this. You know, every year there's a there's a team outside of the conglomerate that's Georgia and Alabama, and we're like, oh, it's going to be them this year. And then they look great throughout this, the year, and we're like, yeah, they're, they're this is going to be the year they do it. And then they get TCU'd last year. And you know what I mean? It's just, we do this all the time. So I'm just going to stick with old old reliable. And I think Georgia or another SEC school is going to get the job done.
4: Yeah, probably. But I'm not going to count on USC <laughs> quite yet, even though, you know, they're USC. As a fan of the Pac-12, you just have to root against USC. And they're the one that blew up the Pac-12 in the first place by moving to the Big Ten. UCLA wasn't necessarily going to go. They were tied with Cal. Now they're going to have to play pay Cal. Ten to fifteen million dollars a year because they're leaving. So whatever, USC is probably going to make the college football playoff. Max, take it or leave it. Clayton
2: Kershaw is the biggest playoff choke. What did I just say earlier? Of course, I just said that to begin with. So you already know my stance. I'm taking that to the grave, unfortunately.
1: Where Max was actually kind of right. Yeah, he's he's choking. I on can't, that one. I, I
2: can't even watch Dodger games. It's 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 not even worth really. Remember that guy who did the Raider thing where he was like, I was in the Philippines and I watched you guys? Yeah. That same energy towards the Dodgers. Dodgers. It's that same energy right now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's too much. You know, it comes to a point, Kershaw had such a great story of playing excellent this year, right? Best, he's the best pitcher, and he and then he just gives us a sack of crap for Christmas, and you're like, Bro, come on, that's that ain't nice, that ain't nice. I, I guess I was pretty naughty, but geez, that is terrible. Um, anyways, that's a long form answer for yeah, give me that all day.
0: Merry Christmas to you, Max, by the way.
2: Um, Alvin, take it or leave it, Alabama football will
4: never be the same after NIL.
0: I'm gonna leave that. I do think that Alabama's gonna figure it out just because. If Nick Saban's there, that's the caveat. If Nick Saban's there, I think that he figures out a way because he's evolved throughout the the times. We've seen him throughout multiple decades go from a run heavy offense. Then you know you need then you need a quarterback. You you go get a quarterback. Then you need weapons. Then you need, but throughout the whole time he's always had a solid defense. So I think Alabama's still Bama, and I think there's still going to be a chance once he figures it out. Obviously, it's the wealth is being spread a little bit. So I think it's going to rely more on coaching now. So he's going to need his coordinators to really step up and he's not to do a, different, a better job of getting those guys in the proper position or getting in the proper position to get those guys who can then go in and, and recruit. Cause Deion Sanders has changed the game. Obviously prime time is getting it done recruiting wise. And I think this year he's going to continue to get better. So I think it's going to be difficult. Yes, but I think they figured out and they get a couple of st- stud quarterbacks and from there, all you need is a quarterback and get things done at college level.
4: Yeah, I was gonna say I also would take that because like you said, quarterback is key and they need a way to figure it out and get a quarterback. And if that means getting more money into the program to give to a quarterback, then that's what they gotta do. But it's gonna be hard to see how you could get a business in Tuscaloosa or even Alabama to give enough money for someone to wanna go there over like you know, you know, a USC or a UCLA or a Texas even Oklahoma. Right, all these major teams now that we're hearing about this year have a lot more money in their program based on NIL. So, but I think Nick Saban does figure it out, I like what you said there. The with The times he won in 2004 with LSU, he was winning in the 2010s with Alabama, and now that NIL is a thing, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Max, take it or leave it.
2: If the Jacksonville Jaguars win the AFC Championship, they will win the Super Bowl. I don't want to – I'm thinking week by week with that team. So, I, I think they have – No, so you're
4: just not going to answer the question. You're not going to take correct. it or leave
2: it. Correct. Why? It's too It's too much pressure to put on young man's Trevor Lawrence shoulders right now. He's got to go week by <laughs> Bro, week. Bro, what? Mate, he's coming, and he. I need him sound of mind. I want him winning today's he game. He ain't listening to this? I want him. Yeah, he can. I don't want him to think to get in some fairyland where he can take misfits to the Super Bowl. That's not achievable yet. I want him to grind out this season, and then so we'll you talk gonna... about stage two. So We're you Tom, want to about Miles, the what telling me? Yeah, I heard no, beer. My, I don't think you understand anything what I'm saying. I so no, we both not. He's going to, he's, he's going to not Yeah, he's gonna win week by week. So I'm not taking your response or your question. <laughs> I'm I'm just
4: leaving everything. (laughs) I'm leaving the chat.
2: I'm just saying, I'll respond in the the chat. I played the fifth.
4: All right. I didn't know you could do that and take it or leave it, but I guess you can (laughs) now. First time for everything. (laughs) Alvin, take it or leave it. The Detroit Lions are better than people give them credit for.
0: Yeah, I take that. I think they've. It's the same thing with the Browns, I would say. Like the Lions, more so with the Lions, though, because what coach have been able to do since he's been there. I think his vibe as a player coach really resonates because he's been there, done that, and he's done it at a high level. He's done it. And you feel that like we talk about guys having juice and he's definitely one of them. It's like, he just had a Celsius for breakfast every morning and he's just ready to go. He's fired up getting on his guys. And I think that culture, you instill, still just competition. It's really good for guys, especially at that level. And I think he does a healthy job of that. So I think, The culture there is superb, and now guys are really buying in. And when you get a group of guys bought in, you can do some special things. So I think the Lions are a lot better than people give them credit for.
4: I would also agree. I mean, Jared Goff figures out a way, even after throwing interceptions, to just figure it out over the course of a game and picks defenses apart when he needs to in the fourth quarter. So I absolutely agree with that one. Max, take it or leave it. Since Zach Wilson has become the starter for the New York Jets, they actually have now won a game, and they actually put up a good contest against the Kansas City Chiefs. That being said, before the end of the season now, Max, and this is actually nothing to do with football, before the end of the season, we will see another story about Zach Wilson and a mom.
2: (laughs) No, I leave it. Really? Yeah, I I think his eye's on the prize. He knows this is his last chance. He's focused. He's focused. He's putting his heart and soul into Brees Hall, which is amazing. And that's what we need to continue uh-huh. to see from that team. But I I hope I don't think he will. I, I've never seen a man need and put his life and head and body on the line ever than this guy. He's trying his best. And I respect it because he sucks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. You me too. up.
2: I respect it so Jeez. much, but I mean, yeah, mate. Your that was a great story right there, buddy. And I'll
0: tell you that. That was that's good. That, you picked me really up me. and of you course. just stabbed
2: me in the heart with that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what Aaron Rodgers did to us, and that's what it's by Oof. proxy. Zach Wilson must do to everyone else. That's what okay. the best QBs do this
4: year. <laughs> okay, thank you for that one, Max. Alvin, take it or leave it. OJ Simpson was at the game. Miami versus Buffalo, and the Buffalo Bills were able to get a win, so take it or leave it. Any
0: game that O.J.
4: Simpson is at for the Buffalo Bills this season, they will
0: win. I'll take that. I'll take that because realistically, it's just as random as if Josh Allen (laughs) plays his best game. I'm not saying he's that inconsistent because I'm not going to sit here and slander him um, because obviously they just did something bad to us, man. It is did something crazy, and it was all on the back of Josh Allen, so I can't sit here and talk crazy about him at all. But I really think that when Josh Allen shows up and he's having his best game, he's at his ceiling or close to it. And he's operating like that, utilizing his legs, utilizing his cannon, making his reads and really relying on his instincts as well. I think he is an absolute in that Bill's offense is dynamic. So if it's as random as O.J. Simpson popping up to the game and I get some going that puts the, you know, that lights the fire under his tail, then yeah, because whenever he's on and he's cooking, they're scared.
4: O.J. Simpson ran for over 11,000 yards. By the way, just hey, out, man. There out there. We got event. busy. Max, would you take that or leave that?
2: I think Alvin did did it all right. Oh, <laughs> just did all right. Alvin, you yeah, got to see I mean, minus. Listen, the Jags, the Bills C are overrated, good degrees, baby. But yeah, that that's I the would love thing to say it. Forty yards. Wanted to talk about the Jags more. <laughs> well, listen, the Bills are overrated because guess what? The Jags did beat them at home in London. At home, that's sick. In London, that's their own. That's sick. Okay, Jacksonville owns London. And guess what? They won two games in a row. And guess what? They're on the up and up. I mean, they'll, they'll and they're probably getting closer. They're This <laughs> is a they're big series week by week. This is a big series. Yeah, mate. Week by week, just relax. I'll be calm. Okay,
4: Max. If Tom Brady somehow unretired, he would get his wife back. Take it or
2: leave it. Final one. Oh, wow. I leave it. He doesn't even want her. Bye. Oh
4: really? Oh, yeah,
2: that's why. Well, I, I what it to do you him. mean? I give it to him. He's living life. He's he, he, he he's he's doing well for himself. It's Tom Brady. Good man. Come on, dude. He doesn't. 10, twelve. Sell. unfortunately, you're cut. <laughs> okay, well. You're thank cut. You, CJ. Tom Brady's got a roster, and guess what? You're cut. <laughs> okay, well.
0: Thank you, Start, CJ. Shout out <laughs> to the you kids. But you're cut. I Your mom's I... cut. Bye.
4: You're cut, and thank you all for tuning in today to the show on iHeartRadio and iHeartRadio Podcast. You want a little more sports madness in your life? Well, tune back in on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern time or find us on whatever streaming platform that you use. Please rate, comment, download the show, and next week we will be back with a lot more sports talk, so you better stay tuned for that. Until then, stay happy, stay healthy, and we'll see you right back here on The Sports Scene with Jesse O. Presented by First Bet.